One thing that seems so difficult for a secular mind to grasp is that our faith is inherently public. There is no such thing as private Christianity, and likewise for many religions. Yes, Christian faith is highly personal, but not private. Our worship here concerns not just what we do within these four walls, but how we relate and engage with the world around us. For the Christian, there is no distinction between private and public identity. Who you are here should reflect who you are at work, at school, and in the public square. Even among Christians, there can be a tendency to see our faith in an overly personal or individualistic manner. For example, I don't need a community or a higher authority, some might say, as long as I have my personal relationship with Jesus. But a key part of our identity as Catholics is that we are members of the church. And the church is not a human institution, but the body of Christ extended mystically by the Holy Spirit into each of us. We are incorporated into the body of Christ, grafted onto him like branches to a vine by our baptism. So each Christian possesses not only a personal identity as a beloved son or daughter of the Father, but also an ecclesial identity. Our relationship to Christ and to the church can never be separated. Christ is not a bachelor, nor is he a widower. Christ is a bridegroom, mystically married to the church. Therefore, you meet Christ in his church, never apart from it. You receive grace through the liturgy and sacraments of the church, not through any other means. Today's gospel touches on that ecclesial identity we all share. This identity carries a responsibility for being at once accountable to others and for helping others grow in charity. This at time involves the difficult task of fraternal correction. Fraternal correction, born of charity and never anger or pride, begins at the individual level, one-on-one. -on -one. If that fails, Jesus says, we are to bring along a brother or sister in Christ as witnesses. And then if that fails, the matter is brought before the church. Now there's much practical wisdom in this process that we should all ponder. And there's also interesting foundations for canon law and church governance. But what concerns you and I right now what is the good news of this teaching is this. The communion with Christ and his church that we profess with our lips becomes manifest 
through our participation in the body of Christ. In other words, genuine concern for the sanctity of others and willingness to be accountable to others and the church is part of our ecclesial identity. And to put it in the most basic terms, you and I cannot become saints on our own. The sacred moment of receiving Holy Communion at Mass, when the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ enters our bodies, it is a privileged moment of union and intimacy with Christ. But let us not forget, you cannot separate Christ and the Church. So communion with the body of Christ includes communion with his whole mystical body, the Church. Now to mention a Church law that is less understood, this is why non-Catholics are not admitted to receiving Holy Communion at Mass. It's not because of unworthiness, which we all share, or lack of faith. It's because the act of receiving Holy Communion is an ecclesial act that manifests one's public profession of the Catholic faith and being in communion with the whole Catholic Church. Communion with Christ and communion with the Church go hand in hand. The same goes for those who are conscious of grave sin, who also cannot receive communion. The sacrament of confession is also not a private act. Confession not only restores one's personal communion with God, but also communion with the entire church. Every sacrament has an ecclesial dimension because we are members of the body of Christ. So every good we do in the state of grace, whether in public or in private, helps build up the body of Christ. And every sin, including the most private of sins, inflicts a spiritual wound in the body of Christ. Communion is, of course, much more than simply something we profess with our lips or a liturgical action that we participate in. Communion is rooted in sacrifice. One of the great ancient symbols in the church used to illustrate this is the pelican, which is subtly but prominently featured here at St. Paul's. You can find it above the left pillars behind the altar. Right there. Let's see the pelican. The pelican was believed to pierce its breast in order to feed its young with its own blood. It therefore served as an image of the Eucharistic Christ whose sacrificial love provides us with the food for heaven. So whether it is a difficult conversation you have to have in order to help a brother or sister in Christ grow in charity, or something even more demanding of you, communion requires sacrifice. 
and no act of sacrifice united to Christ is without countless invisible ripple effects throughout the body of Christ. Because there is no private Catholic faith. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.